Welcome to the Bloody Broads Pod. We are your Bloody Broads. I'm Bhavna Sharma. And I'm Jamie Howard. We are your horror guides from page to screen and everything in between. And this week, to kick off October, we are covering 1980's Friday the 13th, a slasher classic. <laughs> so you know what I have to say now, right? Mm-hmm. That every every horror fan that thinks that this is brand new information points out to us uh-huh. is that is that it's ki 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 ma ma ma, not whatever. Ha ha ha. Yeah, everybody <laughs> loves to point it out. I had to get it in before someone decided to tell us as if we didn't already know. But yes, uh, how we have not covered this yet is actually kind of beyond me because it is such a classic. I mean, the week this comes out is Friday the 13th. So, or the week around the time this comes out is Friday the 13th. So, you know what? We waited for this auspicious day. We did wait. Um, I will say that right, you know, right off the top of my head, my first thoughts about this are that it's actually not my favorite of what I call like the big three classic franchises. Samesies. It's definitely third. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My rankings are... Halloween, Nightmare, this. Smash. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But Nightmare (laughs) is actually very quickly tying with Halloween only because I love Wes Craven and Wes Craven's new Nightmare slaps so hard. Get the fuck out of my brain, Jamie. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) Co-signed. I mean, if they could have just left us at 2018 Halloween. I think my rankings would have stayed the same, but going back and rewatching some of the old nightmares just for fun lately, I've been blown away by how well they hold up unlike this movie. But I mean BFF Brian Fuller's coming with Camp Crystal Lake, so you okay. know there could be a contender. There could be a contender. So that's really what we're both excited about more so than mm-hmm. any other extension of this universe is Y'all know we love some Brian Fuller. We love everything he does. And so the fact that this franchise is in his hands does make me feel a little better. But I am nervous given how originally this movie was not even about Jason. And then the whole Mm -hmm. franchise turned into being about Jason Mm -hmm. because of an addition to the script after it was already turned in. Like, I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Hate it. Uh... I, I don't know. I Of course, now I can't like picture it being any other way. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I guess we've made it, what, three minutes into the episode and I haven't addressed this yet. So uh, we're going to start spoilers right from the jump, guys. This movie is eight years older than me and I'm in my mid 30s. So right. if you don't know anything, <laughs> come on. Um, <laughs> go pause, pause, watch it, come back to us. So... Uh, that surprise ending where Jason does pop out of the lake and grabs, yeah, grabs uh, grabs her. Uh, that was actually added after Miller, the screenwriter, was done writing the script, and he did not want that at all. Um, what he rig- originally wanted, which I think would have been much more interesting, was for it to focus on how death can affect young people. Mm-hmm. And that is much deeper than the version of this movie that we eventually get. <laughs> Much deeper. Oh, yeah. Much, much deeper. It would have, like, it turned it from, like, a quote-unquote art, like, horror film to, like, your pulpy. That's that's what changed it. 
if you ask me. Because even though, you know, you ha- it's a camp slasher. It is like the blueprint for a camp slasher. Right. But like, if you had left that bit out, you could have had the argument of like, okay, this is somewhat of a sophisticated teen slasher for the time for 1980. Oh, yeah. But then you add that. And you're like, okay, great. Supernatural shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then of course the actual ending of her sitting up in bed and screaming. Um, yeah, that too. <laughs> so y'all know that I'm a Jalo girly, and that pretty much the premise of every American slasher originated in classic Jalo films. Um, but they take the premise of teenagers being in a secluded place by the lake. From a 1971 Jalo called A Bay of Blood. If you've never seen it, I love that movie. Love it. It's wild. It's very uh, gothic. It's a big house where a wife is killed by her husband and then teenagers break in. It's a whole thing. I don't want to spoil it. Please go see it. But the iconic Mrs. Voorhees speech towards the end of the film pretty much mimics the crescendo of a bay of blood down to her wearing the same style of sweater and I I think it took me like two or three watches of each before I really put two and two together mm-hmm. but also Friday the 13th was not trying to hide the fact that it was a mishmash of other movies yeah and speaking of that it's kind of like it was kind of surreal the timing for me to watch this and for us to record this because it's Tiff is still going on at the moment while we're recording this we're in the time machine and I literally <laughs> just saw a hell of a summer um, the Finn Wolfhard and Billy Burke's yes. debut and they do a camp slasher. It's a camp slasher horror comedy. And like the references I was like, which I got when I watched hell of a summer, but like just to like go back and watch the original for this, I was like, Oh damn. Okay. <laughs> well, and, and rewatching this also triggered that same feeling in me about X specifically. Oh yes. People who were like, why did Britney so sing landslide? And I'm like, <laughs> Okay, well, so in 1980, there was this movie called Friday the 13th, and there were these camp counselors, you know, like I launched into my whole, like, if you haven't seen some of these older slashers in a while, some of the references in X are going to feel out of place. Yes. Um, but it, the casting in this film is absolutely wild looking back. Uh, but before we get into that, I did want to bring up that the director, Sean Cunningham, Sean S. Cunningham, uh, he, again, is kind of known for homages or just outright ripoffs. He doesn't hide that fact. Um, before this film, he had tried to do a ripoff of Bad News Bears, the like baseball kids movie called Manny's Orphans. It's almost the exact same plot line. Baseball team full of like ragtag, you know, misfits. Anyways, not to veer off into my IMDb trivia brain too much, but he was not hiding the fact that he's cobbling together this vision and he's doing it to make money. Which is funny when you come to learn that all of these actors that he winds up casting are mostly from the New York theater circle at the time. They were not Hollywood trained actors because he could get the theater people cheaper than the film people, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is and unfortunate. Future TikTok star Kevin Bacon. Yes, Kevin. I wanted to say so. Kevin was so unknown at this time that he di- he's what what the fourth, the third or fourth kill. I know he's around like the halfway point in the movie. Um, but yeah, I just think 
in terms of my overall thoughts of the film, it, it holds up if you've never seen it before and you're like, what? And you don't know the ending, but watching it as a fan in 2023, I, I think part two gives it a run for its money, which I never thought I would say. I never thought I would say that about these movies, but here we are. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I totally agree. I'm just like, ah, uh, and I mean, like, I sadly, like, because because of how Kevin Bacon dies and like, yeah, you know, and whatnot. And I'm like, unfortunately, I think of like Tremors first before I think of Friday the 13th oh, when God. it comes to him. <laughs> Tremors, R.I.P. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but just, oh God, I can't, I can't even like begin with just like, how do I put this? What was your first time when you watched it? Like, were you of camp age? Oh, were you? Well, so you know me, I never was allowed to go to camp that wasn't like Jesus camp. Okay, so, yeah. So I didn't get like the real camp experience by any means, not even for Girl Scouts, but uh, I think I was like 19 or 20 the first time I watched this all the way through. I was in college okay. because up until that time, as I've said many times in the podcast before, <laughs> I was catching snippets of things on Turner Classic Movies or VH1 or one of the, you know, E mm -hmm. or AMC channels uh, during Halloween season while my mm -hmm. parents weren't home. And I also saw TV edited versions of things. Which doesn't really make a difference in this film, by the way. I know there's an unedited or, excuse me, extended cut version. But the extended cut is literally like a few extra seconds on everybody's kills. Yes. <laughs> it's nothing crazy, y'all. <laughs> yes. Um, no, that I, I also watched it on like, like the, I, the first time I ever watched it was like a sanitized one on like TBS or something mm -hmm. like that. And then, you know, I watched, in high school, I watched like the one that we rented from Blockbuster. <laughs> Because when I was in high school, Blockbuster and Rogers Video, if you're a Canadian, was a thing. And I still have my <laughs> membership card. Like, it was on the decline, let's be real. But it was still there. I rented yes. the DVD, okay? Yes, um, I'm not that old. But, um, no, what I was going to say was I also didn't have a camp experience, like, at all. Like, my summer experience was going, my camp was going to grandma's for a couple weeks. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like we never went to camp. I even missed out on like, so in grade six up, up here, we have a, a school trip that is like the overnight trip to Kearney, which is like a camp or whatever. Oh, and like okay, okay. I was in, I, I lived in India for that year. So I didn't even get to go to that. So like I, Aww. full disclosure, I have never been camping, any kind of camping, whether it is summer camp, tent camp, 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 glamp camp. No, oh, camp. See, see I am you. all camp, but have not gone camp. <laughs> yes, correct. Meanwhile, I'm the typical white person who like yes. took a multi-week backpacking hike through the <laughs> Peruvian mountains for fun last year. But anyways, listen, continue. I volunteered to be my friend's platonic plus one to their family uh, Scotland Highlands camping trip. So that'll be my first one. Um, uh, what a way to any, start. Yeah. So anyway, watching this, like not that like when you're a kid, you think of like movies as like documentaries to life, but you kind of do like your brain knows that it's fiction, but the other part of your brain is not. So you I'm definitely going, struggle like, to delineate. That's for damn sure. Exactly. So as a little kid, I was just like, they don't watch kids. They let kids <laughs> die. Like <laughs> I take care of my little brothers and sisters better than this. And I'm only eight. Like, right. You <laughs> know, Things like that. And I was just like, ah. So like that for part, for this movie, like put me off camping for a while. Fair. You know, uh, Psycho put a lot of people off showers for a while. And 
Are I they think, the white celebrities that like to <laughs> sh- <laughs> talk about how they don't wash? Oh, God. You know, there's too many of those. Uh, way too many yeah. of those. Uh, but it's great because this film also borrows, air quotes, from uh, Psycho for its misdirection in the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. we get sweet, sweet baby Annie. I love her so much, but she yeah. unfortunately is the Marion Crane of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, you know, goes into the diner in this small town, is like asking how to get to Camp Crystal Lake. And of course, all of the locals turn 180 to look at her and give her the stankest look. And I'm like, <laughs> what? This girl doesn't know anything. Like just, she didn't Let know anybody. I mean, at least you could be like, hey, that's kind of a rough area. Are you sure? Da, 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 da. Let us take you. Um, and then, of course, we get the crazy old coot um, that warns her about camp blood. Oh, yes. Um, I just think it's, we get all of this foreshadowing and all this buildup for Annie to be our protagonist. And then she dies so quickly in this movie but she's high she's hitchhiking and the guy that offers to hitchhiker take her there only takes her like halfway because he won't go near the camp and I'm yeah and I'm like what you're a grown-ass man (laughs) like and then like and you clearly see the person that's that slashes her throat is has like some like flannel like you know plaid print on their their thing there I don't even know that's what I was gonna ask you so Mm -hmm. Who is supposed to be driving out of all the years that I've been a horror fan? Who I've never asked someone this. Who is supposed to be driving that Jeep? Because it's not Mrs. Voorhees who eventually does kill Annie in the woods while she tries to escape. But Annie was so badass that she flings herself out of the Jeep when he doesn't stop at the camp. But it's not Jason because Jason is buried at the bottom of the lake. So who is it? It's a third party that we don't, I don't think we ever know. Wild to me. Wild. I don't, we never get that explained. Unless that happens in a sequel and I can't remember. Because it's been I can't remember. I, I, the memory for the Friday 13 sequels. I'm sorry, guys. I have. It's more convoluted than the Halloween timeline. Let's put it that way. But I haven't watched those in a smooth five years. And I'm actually going to be talking about um, the final chapter of Friday the 13th, probably around the same time that this comes out on Sheree's podcast. Um, Uh But and I, I'll go. I have to rewatch it after we record this, but I just don't remember if we ever find out. So, anyways, not that this is a movie that I watch for the plot, but that's one of those moments where I'm like, it's a small town. Mm-hmm. They had to have known who was driving that jeep, right? Like, j- they had to have. This is why I will never live in a small town. Is shit like this? <laughs> oh God, I can't. Um, yeah. Well. After Annie's death, we immediately go to that really awkward kumbaya circle where they're singing hymns. Yeah. Apparently, apparently that makes Barry and Claudette horny enough to go have sex in the barn attic, which is, again, bizarre to me. Yeah. Uh, but this is not a, this is a slasher and we're not here for the plot. Um, but the reason I bring them up is because watching it through the lens of a grown adult now, I'm like, oh my God, they were a PTSD trigger for Mrs. Voorhees. <laughs> Exactly. It's like, oh, oh, that's what set you off. Right. Oh, okay. <sighs> I I get it, you know, mm-hmm. but she was she was kind of the ultimate boy mom. <laughs> she was <laughs> kill them, mommy. Kill them. She was absolutely <laughs> Pamela Voorhees was the ultimate boy mom. 
<laughs> um, and you know, it's good for her, I guess. I don't know. She was that I have a lot of complicated feelings about her specifically because you know I love a female villain, but she was with the shits for her son. She was like, this is too similar. And she just kept killing people every year until they finally got the hint that maybe we should not open the camp. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then for 11 more movies, well, Jason did it, but not her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think she's a really interesting character because she certainly wasn't the first female villain by any stretch of the imagination, but she was certainly the first female villain and in a slasher in like American pop culture cinema. That wasn't Norman Bates dressed up as his mom. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, it also, like, I mean, if we're going to take a veer into, like, our little niche of the internet over here, it's just, like, I want to know, like, I mean, clearly this woman never went to therapy about her son's death. No. Ever. <laughs> it was the 50s. I mean, what were they going to do? Cut e- Either cut out a piece of her brain or put her on laudanum? Like, <laughs> I swear to God, I was going to say, I was going to say either laudanum or like extreme Xanax. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, give her an orgasm to shut her the fuck up. Like, right. Well, I think 50s. by then, I think no, by, by then, then it was gone, but cutting yeah. but the, the lobotomies were still going strong, at least in 56. I believe yeah. that's when they said Jason died, right? It was 56 yeah. or 54 or something like that. Yeah. So it's like, like, if my options are to go through life as a pissed off woman who nobody cared enough to save my son's life or to potentially get a lobotomy, I can absolutely see why she did what she did. Jamie (laughs) says, fuck them kids. Right. (laughs) Put it on a bumper sticker. Uh, I do think it's really interesting that the first time we get a female slasher in a mainstream film in America. She's crazy. She's crazy, but she's still superly maternal. So she's still an okay, like, villain. She's not evil. She's just insane. And again, she definitely wasn't the first... We're all well aware of hagsploitation films, y'all. We covered Mommy Dearest. We did. We have have talked about that era from the 50s up until about 75 at length. Mm But in terms of actual American gut slingers, I got to say, she, you know, kind of the kind of karate chopped the door open because <laughs> that's what she does and a couple she, different times in these kills. Yes. And she was like the shining woman of 1980 because you had the shining, you had Dawn of the Dead, you had mm-hmm. the thing, you had this, you had, I believe, Alien as well around this time as well. So like her and Sigourney Weaver on top. Like, I know. Man, 78 to 81 was just such a good run for horror films. I feel like we say that every episode. <laughs> we do, because every time we stumble upon a movie, we're like, of course this is 79. Of course yes. this is 80. Of course <laughs> this is 81. Well, we get past the first, you know, kill, but then we get introduced to Steve Christie, who runs the camp. Uh, he's the son of, of the original owners. And this man looks like he could be dropped in the 2023 TikTok and just have fangirls thirsting after him. He's got like the curly... Oh, he's hot. I know what you're going to say. Smash. He's (laughs) very attractive. The mustache, the like semi-mullet, the glasses. The tan. Yep. The short shorts. Like I was was just like, wow, these TikTok boys are really seeing Steve Christie and saying copy paste, which I'm not mad about it. Um, But he is the most deadbeat camp owner. (laughs) I mean... He has them doing like all of these menial chores 
And then just because it starts thundering, he -hmm. leaves and goes to a diner to get supplies. Well, he goes in a town, but then we find him at a diner. Um, God, that's such a stereotypical setup, isn't it? But I love it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, okay, gotta go. Because, you know, we shouldn't all stay together because, you know, it's not weird that some people haven't shown up. Not right. weird at all. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, but then we get a very famous cut scene where they pan out from all of the camp counselors in that cabin getting to have mm-hmm. their little sing-along. And that's, you know, again, inspired in X. And they pull out. And when they pull out from that angle, we can see that the phone line has been cut to the cabin. Do you want to know how many times, I think it was probably the, it wasn't until the second time I watched it that I really caught on. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was because the frame is up at the corner of the film where the line is cut, but I don't know. There's not a lot to analyze about that scene. I just love the artistic approach to it and an otherwise very campy pun intended movie. It's a little out of place of just because of how good that shot is compared to like cinematography of the a lot of the rest of the movie so literally well and i know especially something that comes up when people talk about the cinematography is the kills and how some of them are off screen and so that's disappointing or at least like it's out of frame kills right well they're they're just slightly out of frame but i know tom savini who of course very famous did the special effects uh, all of your favorite horror movies. Uh, all of them. He Can you believe he was 26 years old when he did this movie? Because he was only like 24 when he did Dawn of the Dead. Jesus. I know. I was like, damn, Tom. Jesus. Um, I know. It makes me feel very like, ooh. Makes me feel unaccomplished. <laughs> damn. Well, he has talked kind of at length about how Cunningham and then, of course, the rest of the production team wanted to let the violence build in this movie. Mm -hmm. And they kind of do that, but then they kind of pull back there up until the very end. So we get, let's talk, let me think about it in order. I know we get the, again, the Barry and Claudette in the attic. Yeah. The camp Mm -hmm. counselors. Uh, We get Annie in the forest, but Mm -hmm. we don't really see her... We just see her throat get slashed. Yeah. And so that's one of the only things, again, that's different in the extended cut. Her It hangs on for like a few more seconds. Yeah. Um, Annie was not okay. No. Uh, We do get the camp counselor whose name escapes me, who gets jealous that everybody's pairing off. And so he goes into the cabin and- There's always one of those in these movies. Yeah. And then the girl in the cabin with him, y'all are going to slaughter me for not remembering this (laughs) character's names. I remember the 80s actors, but I cannot remember these character names off the top of my head. Um, Mm -hmm. But she's doing her little like, again, it's something that X paid- homage to really well with having her in her underwear kind of in this bathroom sink, like splashing water on her face. She gets the ax through the head and then we get Kevin Bacon with Marcy. Marcy. Yes. Thank you. Um, And then we get Kevin Bacon, whose name is Jack, uh, his famous death scene with the arrow through the throat. And that's kind of the only one that's sticks out. Yeah. Besides, of course, Miss Voorhees at the end, but I love that, and I sh- I feel like I've told you the story before, but something I love to hear when I listen to panels from uh, people who were involved in this film, mm-hmm. um, they always talk about how they only had one chance to get his death right. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the tip goes through the prosthetic. You know, the arrow goes through the prosthetic. It's supposed to be gushing blood, but it malfunctioned. So some poor crew member had to like lay under the bed with the tube in his mouth and like manually blow <gasps> the blood out of Kevin Bacon's throat. No. It's so gross the more I think about it. But Ew. I know as as all the special effects in this movie just remind me of the the very first feature I did where it's literally kids camping. Um, shocker. But yeah, Tom Savini. Yeah. He shaped this film. Whether he we really like did. I mean, whether you like it with giving him credit or not, but um, <laughs> we can't talk about this movie without talking about the snake. Oh my God, the snake. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Like, I, I don't know how I'd react in that situation to be right. honest. So for people who don't know, yes, and I feel like everybody who's listening to this probably does know, but mm-hmm. uh, I want to preface this by saying I think Tom Savini is a legend. I love that he has his own makeup school. Dawn mm-hmm. of the Dead, 1978 is one of my favorite movies of all time, period. But they did not tell the performance animal handler that they were going to kill this snake. What? What the actual fuck, Tom? I didn't know they didn't tell the animal handler. Yes. Okay. So again, I'm that nerd that like will listen to uh, the panels anytime someone talks about this or Dawn of the Dead. Mm -hmm. And so, or Scream. And so this has been said a couple different times on a couple of different shows, but they get the snake from, from the animal handler. They put him in the cabin And they tell, of course, the the actors in the scene, like, hey, we're going to scream at this snake. And then at some point in the day of filming this scene, they just they just decide, fuck it, we're going to kill the snake. (laughs) And they kill they actually kill a real life snake for this. And like, I know snakes are not everybody's favorite animal, but my God, you paid to have it on film, not to kill it, Tom Savini. Like the hell? Listen, we didn't sign up for an animal snuff film. We just humans only. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh God. That's that's everyone's big hang up who's ever told me that they hate this movie is that it uses a real snake, which is fair. I get it, not wanting to see. Yeah. Because death. you know that the real humans didn't die. That's it. Like you know that they didn't die. So it's like, so if you're watching humans die, you're like, all right, cool, they're not actually dead. But the snake. <laughs> that poor snake. It makes me so sad. Yeah. But but yes, yeah, so then they all go to the cabin. Um to you know stay together yeah and one of the of all the games they could have played literally strip monopoly makes me laugh every time because what the fuck does that technically count as sex work because you know money (laughs) no far be it from me that is a good question far be it for me to make that call but do not pass go. Do not collect $200, but take your boot off because Alice is so, our our final girl is just oh, yeah. so pure and wholesome that instead of telling him like, oh, take your shirt off, she says, take your boot off. <laughs> oh my God. But again, it's something else that gets used in many other films that came after this. And people are always like, that's such a stupid plot point. And I'm like, oh, you have not rewatched Friday the 13th in a long time. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, the the whole trope here, you could any any fucking slasher that came after this, like Scream or mm-hmm. I Know What You Did Last Summer or I Know You Hate Scary Movie, but Scary Movie because yeah. they're making fun of Scream. But like, 
you know, et cetera, et cetera, of that, like, oh, ha, 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 no, like that virginal tease type of like. Well, they get interrupted. (laughs) Yeah, they get interrupted and she's about to unbutton her blouse. Yeah. And they get interrupted. So we don't get to see her blouse. And of Deus, uh, sorry, not Deus Ex Machina, because it, it's more like censorship Ex Machina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we want that. Actually, was this rated? I think it was rated PG 13, but I could be very wrong. Do not quote oh, me on that. Let's see. Let's look at the interboobs. Are what we going to give it a googs? <laughs> yeah, we're going to give it a googs. What is the rating? What is the rating? It does not say up front. The fuck? Uh, it had to be PG-13 because I think this was before R was even invented. Um, yeah. It gives me what it is out of five stars. Um, oh. I, I know. I, I, let's just go with PG-13. According to Google. It I has to be because R wasn't, yeah, R wasn't really a thing yet. Um, yeah, no, no. It almost was. Yes. I think because of the, the surge of um, thing. Slashers? Yeah, slashers. There we go. Surge of slashers, surge of horror, surge of gore. Uh, it <laughs> surge says of R now. Oh, okay. Well, maybe on I'm IMDb. Wrong, you guys. IMDb says R, but I'm not wow. sure if that's an updated. Well, the only reason I bring this up is they do a really good job of showing us just enough. And I absolutely see why it would be rated R today, mm-hmm. but especially back then. So surely it really was. That's wild to me. Um, but yes, there's a couple of other things I think that come into play when we talk about, you know, the themes in this film besides the obvious tropes. So we get the kids at camp, Mm -hmm. we get the horny late teens, early 20 somethings, Mm -hmm. we get the final girl being as pure as can be to survive. Um, but something that really has never quite sat right with me and I don't think it's discussed often enough. Mm-hmm. It's something else yet again, related to Tom Savini. Just, I love you so much, <laughs> Uncle Savini, but you, the the problematics have not stopped happening. Um, so Jason, at the end of the film, when he does pop up and mm-hmm. he's disfigured because apparently he's been sitting in a lake for 13 years, um, yeah. 15 years, whatever, 20. Uh, yeah. They base Jason's look off of the town drunk that Tom Savini grew up knowing. Oh. Yes. And they wanted him to be disabled. Okay. Right. So they use a disabled boy and the town addict as a villain. (sighs) Right. Right. That coupled with a mother who loses her mind. Uh... Yeah. You know, I'm not expecting this to be like the paragon of and you know current times by any stretch of the imagination but that I get what they're going for because but then we get it repeated when the Goonies comes out a couple years later and Chunk is very much you know I mean you know me I don't this is not new information for anybody but I don't love a lot of 80s movies (laughs) um Mostly John, like anything John Hughes tends to turn this way to where you're just like, oh my God, I cannot rewatch this. There's uh, only a few John Hughes movies that I have patience for. Same. But anyways, I just found it really interesting that um, we end up relying on Jason to 
carry on the saga even after this first film because mm-hmm. other you know if he didn't pop out of the water at the end again which was not added by the original screenwriter we mm-hmm. don't have a franchise Mm-mm. like what unless we do prequels yeah we definitely don't have a franchise if th- that didn't happen that's what i'm saying like too like that even though it sucks for the screenwriter that that happened because yeah. you know going against their wishes but like hey <laughs> Y'all got way more money out of this and, you know, lots more entertainment. And I'm just going to use the word entertainment. Um, I don't <laughs> want any haters coming after me. <laughs> but if you do have comments, leave them in a five-star review. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, I just, I just, like, I, like, I've struggled with this for years, which is also why it's on the bottom of my rankings I when know. it comes to, like, the big three. Um, If I could omit it from my rankings, I would. Um, and that makes it sound like I'm a bigger hater for this movie. It's not, it's not the movie itself. It's just that like, as an adult now, like what I, what they've chosen to villainize and what they've chosen to weaponize and what they've chosen to bank on the fear of, like, especially you would think by this, this, the year of our Lord, Heath is Christ, uh, 2023, (laughs) you know, um, would not be a thing. It's even more of a thing. Like, so. Yeah. uh, I will. And again, we're not watching these expecting them to hold up to 2023 standards definitely not but it's hilarious because you can go back and watch things that even came out before this that Mm -hmm. i think holds up better um Mm -hmm. specifically i think that if we did not have betsy palmer in this movie Mm. i don't think it would be as iconic well well, i kind of want to go two different directions with this so there's two things First of all, you guys, in terms of actually recapping the story, by the way, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the <laughs> like, whole that's, story. That's the whole story. They die. And then, you know, Annie, or excuse me, not Annie, um, our final girl, Adrienne King, chops Alice. off the head. Alice chops off the head of Mrs. Voorhees when she reveals that she's Jason's mom and two camp counselors were having sex. And so they didn't hear him drowning and she they were supposed to be watching him at all times Uh, yeah that iconic delivery which is what i want to definitely get into so Mm -hmm. um the story is not what is compelling in terms of the first hour and five minutes of this 95 minute long movie (laughs) yeah it's basically just hey horny teenagers dying one by one Right, which is, you know, and sometimes we sign up for that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, often. Go watch X. Right. But for me, Betsy Palmer saves this whole thing and makes it truly iconic. So mm-hmm. she was doing theater at the time when they were trying to cast this because she had done some more like the 50s game shows that were very popular at the time. Yes, yes, Like yes, yes. Password and things like that. But she had moved on to the theater and she was driving home one night and her car broke down and it was a Mercedes. So not, you know, cheap. Uh, And literally, like, I think it was the very next day, she gets a call offering her this role for a thousand dollars a day for about 10 days of filming. Um, And she was like, wow, ten thousand dollars, which in, you know, 1979 money was a lot more. Um, but that's enough to pay for this new car that I want. And it didn't get her a Mercedes by any stretch of the imagination, but it got her a nice new car. So she agrees to do it. Mm-hmm. But it is absolutely wild to me that before they reached out to uh, Betsy Palmer, they had reached out to a couple of different iconic older, you know, old Hollywood actresses um, who turned this role down. But that was even after they saw Joan Crawford 
you know, pivot to exploitation. And so I just, I, I'm really interested into who possibly else could have done this role justice. I mean, she anchors the whole yeah. thing back in reality because up until this point, it's a farce. It's kids getting yeah. to have a camp. There's nothing exciting about it. But then no. she comes in and we get the first fully fleshed out character in the entire film. She's the only one that gets an actual motivation, a storyline, um, you know, gets uh, some gruesome action in there that isn't just being killed. Right. She throws a body through a window, which I never understood how that one girl died because it, she has like three holes in her and then like some rope tied around her. And I'm always like, all right, whatever. BTK got to her in the middle. Yeah. Um, but we really wouldn't even have... We wouldn't have that whodunit surprise ending without her. No, we wouldn't have. And honestly, the whole movie lives and dies with her. Yeah. Pun intended. Yes. <laughs> I mean, she brings a gravitas to this film that I think otherwise, again, I don't think this would have been anywhere nearly as successful as it was if we don't have her. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, the amazing, you know, special effects and yes, Sean Cunningham directing it and whatever. Mm -hmm. They do not give her enough credit for nailing the landing of this film because we don't see her until these last 15 minutes of the movie, if that 10 minutes, mm -hmm. um, because up until this point, again, we're borrowing from Jalo, we're borrowing from Halloween with the POV mm -hmm. killer camera to let us know like, okay, this is the killer stalking our, uh, camp counselors through the woods and you're going to see everything from their perspective. And I'm just very impressed every time I rewatch this with mm -hmm. the dedication that she puts into this role. And I think that speaks volumes to the fact that she was like, yeah, okay, well, if TV doesn't want me anymore, then I'm going to go back and do stage and I'm going to keep it up with, you know, what I can do at the time. Yeah. Um, but again, I... <sighs> I don't want to definitely don't want to talk down on any of the other actors because I think Adrian King as our final girl was incredible, but she yes. was never ever supposed, she was never like, Oh, I'm going to be a final girl. Uh, she yeah. was doing theater again in New York city, like the rest of them. Um, mm -hmm. But I do find it very interesting that this entire film, the first one at least kind yeah. of gets its vibe <laughs> from, from theater actors, except for Kevin Bacon. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh no i agree um it's just <sighs> sorry i just uh, in my head adhd baby it's all um, good. i just had her monologue play in my head again just now um but his name was jason <laughs> <laughs> i know it's supposed heart. to be watching him the whole yeah. time <laughs> Very, oh again, my gosh. very I'm iconic. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's very iconic. Like, it is. Women behaving badly mm -hmm. monologue. Um, I think mm -hmm. this, this monologue in particular, you can rank it up there with the cool girl monologue from uh, Gone Girl. Uh, Gone Girl, yeah. Definitely anything, anytime where Danny is yelling at her boyfriend in Midsommar, like, yes, absolutely. I just yes. think it's, it could definitely be an accomplishment of female rage. I would love it that. It could be. We could have like a video a la 
Nicholas Cage loses his shit, but with yes, <laughs> <laughs> but with these speeches, but like the thing that like always took me out in terms of her character was just like you know like right after that scene and then when she's going in the forest and she's chasing after the counselor, I forget it might have been Alice, um, and she's just like kill him, mommy. Oh my god, when she uses the voice, it scares me every time. It creeps me out so bad. No, and then I think like in the second one, we get like kill for mother. Mm-hmm. In the second one, well, because it's Jason. Yeah, because then we get like kill for mother. Yeah. God, it's so fucking weird. And then we get the shrine with her head or whatever. Oh, we'll talk about two later, but Oedipus um, Rex, the opposite POV. Well, yes, exactly. But again, I think this is just another example in a long, very long mm-hmm. history of horror films being given gravity and weight and respect by very experienced female actors. And it, it blows my mind how mid this movie would be without her. <laughs> I mean, truly, that's my hot take, I think, from this episode is that kind of without her, it's nothing. Um, without her, it would be one and I, oh God, please don't come for me. Friday the 13th fans. But without her, it would be one rung above like the porn they played in movie theaters at that time. Damn. Bafna said, y'all heard me. <laughs> that was if genuine you just shock. Added, if you took her out and added like three or four more sex scenes and you've got a 1970s porno. You art do house actually flick. I mean, you're not entirely raw, especially if they're actually showing the goods. That's wild. Um, yeah. Well, you get like a John Holmes esque film, but in a camp. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Well, this film was never going to be an Oscar winner, and everyone no. that made this movie knew that. Um, mm-hmm. But the real star of this entire franchise, starting with this very first one, is the marketing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so they named it Friday the 13th because of the success success of Halloween mm-hmm. um, to have that date. And they spent insane amounts of money to market this. Um, they had one iconic commercial and it's the only one I can find a copy of online mm-hmm. where the tagline is Friday the 13th. You'll only see it once, but once is enough. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so clickbaity. <laughs> That's so up there with like Lay's. Once you pop, you just can't stop. Right. That was what I thought of too. I was like, okay, okay, jingles. Um, But they spent $550,000 to make this, which again, in 1979 money was, would still be like, gosh. That's still a decent amount of money. Yeah. It's like two or three million, I think in today's money. I don't know the exact number. Um, But they box office in 1980 dollars made 59.8 million dollars jesus christ that is i someone smarter than me with numbers needs to do the math on this because i'm pretty yeah. sure that's like a four three hundred percent return on investment almost 500 percent. like that's one wild. bajillion percent yeah <laughs> with mr uh with dr evil finger to my mouth yes. um <laughs> that is wild to me but they spent mm-hmm. so much money on, well, I'll tell you how they save money too, but they spent so much money on the marketing. I mean, it definitely wasn't spent on, let's be honest, like the quality of the film. <laughs> but uh, one way they saved money was all of the actors in this did their own stunts. Okay. Which is wild to me because in 2023, that would not fly. <laughs> no, no, there are rules and regs. 
rules and regs. But that's why I really admire Betsy Palmer in this because she was keeping it up with the best of them. You know what I mean? Like she, she's filming she, with all these like yeah. 20 year olds. She wanted she, that car. Yes. She wanted that. She wanted that uh, Volkswagen something. She bought a Volkswagen <laughs> with the money. Um, she wanted it. And she got Yes. It. <laughs> she said the rent was due and I'm about to body slam these bitches. Yes. They did so much of these special effects scenes as one takes, which is a lot of stress in and of itself. Yeah. But having to do your own stunts is just absolutely wild to me. So I know by mm-hmm. the ending, I think they only filmed this in like, it was, it was really short. It was like seven weeks or less. I know that. Um, yeah. Which is insanely short for a feature film. So short. Um, but yeah, I think that that definitely changes my opinion about this movie in the long run is the dedication mm-hmm. the actors had to doing these stunts. Mm-hmm. Same here. Like I didn't realize until today that that was the thing. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Now I'm like thinking back to like all of those things and I'm just like, my body hurts thinking about it. Well, yeah, it's these long days. So they filmed all of Annie's scenes in one day. She was only okay. on set for one day. Okay, that makes um, sense because she does eat shit real quick. Yeah. And everybody else was only on set for like, I mean, I think cumulatively, like they each were on set for like 10 days besides mm-hmm. Adrian. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Adrian King, who now is immortalized in Grady Hendrix's final support, final girl support group as a character yes, name. we love. We love. Eventually that's supposed to get its own adaptation. I cannot wait. Um but she went from, again, a theater actor to this overnight movie star. Mm-hmm. And she only played Alice in this film and part two. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, spoilers if you've made it this far. Um, <laughs> yeah. She lives. She, yeah. Uh, well, until the second one. Yes. And she actually had a real life stalker from this movie. Um, he saw this film. <laughs> Heaven forbid women do anything, as my favorite meme on the internet goes. Yeah. Um, he confronted her in real life, very scary situation. And so that inspired part of the setup for that book for the Final Girl Support Group. But it turned her off to film acting for a very long time. Don't blame her. Uh, which is, you know, now I think the studio would be held more accountable. They would be like, you know, why don't why don't you have bodyguards with her? Why didn't you take this seriously? Whatever. But I think that that speaks volumes to what things were like for actors. Yeah. Of the time. Like, that's crazy to me. Um, like, even recently, some one of Drew Barrymore's stalkers, like, showed up oh to, like, God. a speaking engagement, too. Like, this is this is still fucking nuts. I mean, it will be. You're yeah. never going to eradicate it. As long as there are going to be people with fame, there are going to be people that want to orbit around them. Yeah. Wild to me, though, that, like, again no support as far as I could find from the studio so much on this whole, like protecting her thing. I'm sure Mm -hmm. there was that someone will tell us. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's Friday the 13th (laughs) y'all. There's, there's not a lot of substance to the plot. There's a lot of interesting backstory, obviously. And I highly recommend you see it just to say that you've seen it. If you love slashers or you love horror, because Mm -hmm. you will then go back and watch new movies and realize kind of what they pick and choose from, but also yes. what this movie picks and choose from. Because again, this is very much based on Jalo films, on Halloween, mm-hmm. um, on, uh, gosh, 
there's like the music is basically a ripoff of Jaws and Psycho. Yep. The setup is exactly like Psycho, but reversed. And they even say that in a couple different documentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this is just one of the building blocks of horror. Hundred percent. It's worth watching just to know, just to be in on the jokes in any future movies and things like that too. Like just to like have an appreciation. So even if you don't enjoy it, like I know we ripped this apart. Like I did it. I. It's just because it's not my favorite of the three doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. Like we exactly. wouldn't have covered this if we didn't enjoy it on some level. Yeah. Um, and that level is Betsy Palmer. Um, but, <laughs> and her amazing teeth. <laughs> and her amazing teeth. And also Kevin Bacon, because Kevin fucking Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, you know, it's worth watching for that. But I have one uh, fun fact related yes. to this. Uh, did you, <laughs> we're getting into serial killer territory here. Um, the well, serial, killer, serial killer, Paul Bernardo, uh, of the Ken and Barbie killers. Oh yes. Paul Bernardo, i.e. if I look out my window, I can see the high school he went to. Paul oh, Bernardo. Yeah. Um, he, he fashioned himself as a rapper that he never <laughs> actually, um, you know, because Vanilla Ice was a thing. And then he was like, oh, I could be Vanilla Ice. And then Snow is from here. And, I'm you know, yeah, I know right it's now. Canada, man. It's Canada. It's fucking Canada. Oh, anyway, my face right now, y'all. I know. I know. I'm sorry, Jamie. I know you Please hate cringe, continue. but it's going to get cringier. Um, so he only after he got arrested, created his stage name. And his stage name was... Paul Jason Teal, I think, but he took the Jason for Jason Voorhees. Oh, God damn it. J names. Men with J names are giving the women with J names bad names. <laughs> we we don't know y'all. You stay over there. <laughs> so fun fact. That oh my God. Paul Bernardo's rapping alter ego is named after this Jason well, Voorhees. So originally... His name was not going to be Jason. Uh, The writers decided that they had gone to school with this guy. Well, okay, first of all, his name was supposed to be Josh. (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I'm thinking of all the Joshes we know. (laughs) I know, and they're all great people. So I'm like, no. Um, But he was thinking back to, while they were writing this film, he was thinking back to classmates he had had. And there was always a classmate of his whose name was Jason, who he said always kind of gave him, you know, the heebie-jeebie, so to speak. Um, Mm -hmm. Which is so funny to me. Because can you imagine going to see this movie in 1980 and being like, damn, why his name got to be Jason? Yeah. See, only in these situations am I glad that my name doesn't get representation or the names of right. people I know. Like, that is literally the one thing where I'm like, that's okay. You can have that. You yeah. can keep that cringe. Like, yes, I will always fight for South Asian representation and representation for all people in general. But that one y'all can have. Oh. You can keep that one. You can keep it. Uh, I don't need a keychain with my name on it with a serial killer or no. a slasher monster superhuman person like no well all right i'm gonna wrap (laughs) us up here i'm gonna give us a i'm trying to think i'm gonna give this i have so many conflicted feelings i've never tried to rate this before uh three maybe like two and a half or three out of five uh machetes because jason uses a machete not a chainsaw and i yes 
cannot tell you how many times it always cracks me up. Because Leatherface uses a chainsaw. It, what happens in people's minds, that's exactly what I was going to say, is Leatherface and Jason get like merged in people's minds, I think. Because, because like every they wear haunted, masks? Yeah, because like every haunted hayride I've ever gone on, there's been a guy with a mask that has a chainsaw. I'm like, that's not, you know what? Never mind. And or are they just trying to skirt copyright? That too. And if y'all have not listened to our um, Texas Chainsaw episode, please do. It's one of my favorites and it's definitely one of my favorite movies of all time. So again, 78 was just a good year for movies. Um, but yes, I, I think you should watch it regardless of how you feel about the rest of the franchise, just because it's a building block in our history of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, same way I feel about a lot of Jalo, actually. Uh, it's a slasher. It sets us up at camp. I'm going to give it 2.75 <laughs> machetes out of uh, out of five. And if only because female killer, female, you know, survivor and some of the best special effects that we could have asked for from that era. <laughs> I'm going to give it about uh, two and a half kills from mommy out of five. Uh, yeah, about two and a half, just because I'm like, okay, like, like you said, you can see the reference, you can see the inspirations in this, but you can also see where it's like, you know, been influencing other films and it's deserves the respect for at least that much. Is it a movie I revisit often? No. Is it a movie that I can quote for the memes? Hell yes. Um, (laughs) um, is it a movie that I would put in a starter pack for classic horror? Absolutely. Um, but do I condone stuff in this movie aside from Betsy Palmer's kills and Kevin Bacon's existence? Not really. So. And Kevin Bacon's existence. Listen, we love Kevin Bacon. Again, um, again, we both enjoy this movie, but I just yes. think it's not, it doesn't pull it's, me in. Like, it's not one of the ones that when it comes on TV, I'm like, oh, I have to sit down and watch it's, it. It's you know? one where if it's on already. Right. I'm like, all right, cool. I won't change the channel. Like, or like if somebody else wants to watch, I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. But if it's one that like I had to choose to watch, I would be like, what else do we got? Right. (laughs) Definitely out of the classics for sure. Yeah. (sighs) Well, Bhavna, where can the people find you? They can find me as the Lucky Charms on pretty much everywhere, um, yeah. except for Instagram, where I have the little underscore on the end. I am on the Blue Sky. I am on still going to be on the artist formerly known as Twitter, <laughs> um, even though I don't. I'm not on there as much. <laughs> it's called being medicated, kids. You don't doom scroll as much. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you can find me there, and I will be uploading some of my uh, TIFF stuff to my TikTok. But that is also the Lucky Charms. So have fun. I love it. I Where love can it. they find you, Jamie? Of course, you guys can find me as at Glitter Burrito on all of your social media platforms. I would love to hear from you. Uh, you can find us as at Bloody Broads Pod, again, on every social media platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you guys don't know, um, subscribing and rating with stars on Spotify is the best way to tell a friend about us or tell the world at large about us. And on Apple, uh, the best thing to do is to subscribe and then leave a review with a comment. And if it's nice enough, we might start reading them on here. Who knows? But we appreciate everyone who has supported us. This is our first episode of technically going into our third season, which Mm -hmm. is wild. I know we don't really take breaks, but um, we just celebrated our second anniversary. So 
we're rounding the corner into year three, you guys. That is absolutely crazy to think about. Wild. Um, it feels like 84 years and zero at the same time. At the same time. I know. I know. We're very grateful for everyone. But um, yes. yes, as always, tell a friend to tell a friend. And until next time, bye. Bye.